You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Rams Nation. It's time for another Crossover Thursday special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbett Smith for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for today's show for Locked On Rams, Travis Rogers. We've got desperation season upon <laughs> us in the NFC West. Both these teams, a little different reason why they're desperate. Now, they both are riding losing streaks, but I'll the say. Seahawks at 6-5, and five, <laughs> they're still within striking distance of the 49ers atop the NFC West. They got a chance to get back in the playoff hunt. The Rams, on the other hand, it's really been a free fall at 3-8. and eight. And without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to you, Travis, because as I just mentioned here, it really is a desperate time in L.A. And for different circumstances than the Seahawks. The Seahawks have been pretty healthy. They just have lost two games in a row. The Rams have lost a bunch of games. And a big reason why is the Super Bowl team we saw hoisting Lombardi in February – most of those guys aren't playing at this point. Yeah, it's been, you know, I was thinking about this earlier, Corbin, that the last time you and I spoke with each other was in the preseason NFC West preview, that this is the first time that the Seahawks and the Rams have played each other this year. And, you know, we were all going around and giving our predictions for the division. And I, I think all four people, maybe, maybe um, Peacock had, had the Niners at the top, but I think everybody else thought that the Rams would be near the top of the NFC West or at it and that the Seahawks would be, at the bottom. And and it's like you said, the exact opposite has happened. Had we done this a week or two ago, it would have been exactly the opposite, that the Seahawks would have been on the top and the Rams would be at the bottom. The Rams have lost five games in a row. None of them have been particularly close with the exception of the Tampa game. And they keep finding new ways to not score. <laughs> if, if that's a thing that you can do, that's what they've been able to do. Um like you mentioned, um, the the injury bug has been significant, and now you're in that time of the season because they're three and eight, because they've lost five in a row, because the road to the playoffs, while maybe mathematical po possibly, um, is not any sense of reality. Um, and you're going to see some guys maybe that have some more minor injuries, maybe miss some time along the way. And I think that's where we are in the Rams season. It is evaluation season. It is who do we want to keep, who do we not want to keep, and. That's really all that's left for the Rams and Sean McVay to play for the rest of this year because they don't even have a first-round draft pick. That one goes to Detroit. Yeah, and I think that this is kind of what happens when you go all in too many times and then your good fortunes with injuries change. This is a team that was so healthy most of last year. Yes. And the lack of depth was not an issue because their guys were on the field. And this year, it's been the exact opposite. And it's not like the Seahawks have not had injuries themselves. I mean, Jamal Adams has been out since the first quarter of the season opener, and they've missed him. Their run defense, especially, they have missed having number 33 out there. They've well, the good news is the Rams don't run the ball at all, so you'll be fine there. And all pro season, too. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they've had some guys that are really good players that have ended up on injured reserve, but they've certainly been healthier than what the Rams have been. Health has not been the big issue for the Seahawks team their last two games, losing to the Buccaneers and losing last weekend to the Raiders, which, by the way, a lot of people are saying it's a bad loss. Record-wise, it was, but the Raiders have a ton of talent, yes. and it was a game that scared me a little bit going in. So I guess I'm not overly surprised the Raiders found a way to win that one still. It goes back to the issues the Seahawks team has had all year. And it's not Geno Smith. It, it keeps going back to the defense 
struggling to get off the field on third down and struggling to stop the run. Their pass rush has become non-existent the last two games when they really found their pass rush in a four-game winning streak. They've just been so inconsistent on that side of the football. The offense keeps humming. Even with some of the turnovers they had last week, they still put up 34 points. You should win a game when you score 34 points on offense. And Geno Smith threw for 328. He led them on a touchdown drive that gave him a lead with under five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So he's showing the clutch gene when he actually has protection in front of him. I don't think the offense has anything to be concerned about with other than the fact the run game has been so up and down too. And that goes back to the offensive line in particularly the interior. And so it's just little self-inflicted things, not getting their run fits right or on the offensive side of the football, having uh, defenders slide off their blocks and then they're getting out of position. It's just little things like that. They are beating themselves more than anything. They're hoping that this is a get right game with how the Rams have been playing and just how beat up the Rams are, particularly on the offensive side of the ball where they probably are going to be playing their third string quarterback again. Yeah, I think that that's very likely. Um, whether it's the it, and this is the thing that's so you know discouraging if you're a Rams fan at this point is because even with Matthew Stafford and even with Cooper Cup when they were both still playing every week and they still weren't scoring. You know that Cooper Cup was getting some yards, he was getting his catches. That is from a fantasy perspective, he was still a useful player. But from a wins and loss perspective, it really wasn't translating in any meaningful way. So you take away, you know, not only the Rams' best wide receiver, but arguably one of the three or four best wide receivers in football. You take away your your quarterback, who along with that wide receiver is the reason you won the Super Bowl a year ago. Then you take the number two wide receiver, Allen Robinson, get rid of him. You've got your lit- literally, this is not an exaggeration or hyperbole. You are playing your fifth string left tackle at this point. You have exactly one of your offensive line starters that's left from the beginning of the year uh, in Rob Havenstein over on the right side. Every other player is, uh, you have one second stringer, you have two third stringers and a fifth stringer at this point. You you fired your best running back a week ago in Daryl Henderson, and you're probably playing your third string quarterback who basically made his NFL debut last week against the Chiefs and where the first time he'd been a starter in the league and he threw for 100 yards and and they scored 10 points and and it felt like an improvement so this is this is where this team is offensively they will keep games close because their defense is still NFL decent it's not a great defense like it was at times last year. Um, Aaron Donald has been good, not great. He obviously is not going to play this weekend. Bobby Wagner, um, it's the one bright spot on this Rams team this year. Bobby Wagner's been very, very good for the Rams. That's it. Full stop after that as far as things that have gone uh, according to plan for the Rams. Um, they're, 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 I, th- I think that they'll keep it kind of close because the defense, you know, we'll see what it looks like with Aaron Donald. Obviously, it won't be nearly as good, but – they simply can't score. So you know, you're talking about the Seahawks uh, putting up 34 and it not being – if they get two-thirds of that, they're going to win comfortably. It's it just the Rams cannot move the ball. They do not run the ball. They cannot protect the quarterback. The quarterback is terribly inexperienced in green, and the weapons he has outside of him are not particularly dangerous. It is about as bad of a situation offensively as you could come up with, and that's where the Rams are. And they still got to play six more games. And you don't see this very often with a team that wins the Super Bowl of the very next year, have it just tailspin like this. And a lot of it is health and a lot of it is the roster decisions they've made. As I mentioned, when this team is healthy, they still have as much talent as anybody, mm-hmm. but there's no depth because they have None. forfeited so many of those high draft picks and 
that price, eventually you're going to have to pay the toll on. And this year, the Rams did. And you got to wonder what that means for the future, too. And obviously, that's for a discussion on a different podcast after the season because they're going to have to try to overhaul some things. And they don't have much capital in terms of money or draft picks to do that. And so uh, this feels like it might have been, you know, the beginning of an end for this team, as good as they've been the last few years. But we'll see. Sean McVay is still one of the best coaches out there, and he's given Pete Carroll issues. So this week could be a lot more competitive than what people are anticipating. We're going to get to our key matchups coming up next. Both of us looking at a matchup on offense and defense, maybe ones that we think are advantageous or ones that might be concerning for our respective teams. We'll get to those here in a moment. This crossover special is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts we're sure you're going to love, including The Block Forever, brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level by giving football fans and insiders look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. He sits down with star players such as Christian McCaffrey and Juju Smith-Schuster, as well as coaches and former pros across the league to get real about what happens on the field and behind the scenes, including in the locker room during team meetings, and back at the hotel. Catch the full Block Forever series available anywhere you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or on YouTube. Audible, get in the game. All right, it's Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbett Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for today's show, Travis Rogers of Locked On Rams. Thanks to the 12s and Ram Nation out there for making our respective podcasts your first listen five days a week. And make sure for your second listen to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Travis, we get our first date between the Seahawks and the Rams coming up in week 13. This was a game before the season that I was circling on Seattle's schedule and thinking that is a guaranteed loss with where the Seahawks are at <laughs> rebuilding and the Rams coming off a Super Bowl championship. And yet here we are now going into week 13. The Rams are five games over 500. The Seahawks are still above 500, even with a two game losing streak. Geno Smith, probably the comeback player of the year, a borderline MVP candidate. So this looks like a game that now the Seahawks are going to be favored in. And yet, Seahawks fans, they're hesitant because Sean McVay is on the other sideline. Let's talk matchups here. And usually we'd be talking Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and all these different stars the Rams have. None of them are available for this game, and most of them are done for the season. So what matchups are you looking at? Let's start when the Rams are on offense with all the players they have out. Is there a matchup that you look at and think, you know, this could be where the Rams take advantage, or is there a matchup that stands out like, this one really scares the bejeebers out of me? Well, I think that the one place where you look at for the Rams to maybe have a little bit of success offensively, and, and we're talking in very relative terms here, especially considering where they were uh, and where the expectations were coming into the season, um, the one connection that looked NFL caliber, if you will, last week was uh, Bryce Perkins to Van Jefferson. Now, Van Jefferson seems to be getting a little better week to week. He missed the first half of the season with an injury. He has been back. This will make his fourth game since coming back. And he and Bryce Perkins seem to have a little bit of chemistry going on right there. So for me, if the Rams are going to score, 
it's going to be because those two guys are in a rhythm a little bit. So I think if you can find a, an advantageous matchup for Jefferson, and I'm not I'm not comparing him to Cooper Cup because they're they're very different types of players, but one of the things that Jefferson does do similar to what Cup was able to do is you can move him all over the field. He does not have to line up in just one spot. You can use him in a variety of different spots. So if they can find a favorable matchup, whether it's outside, whether it's in the slot, whether it's they, they'll even put him in the backfield occasionally, um, I, I, I think that he's your guy that can maybe generate some offense because outside of that, they're basically using Tyler Higby as a sixth offensive lineman because they need to. He, he's very rarely involved in the offense. Uh, it's kind of a running back by committee right now between Cam Akers and Kyron Williams. Neither of them have really taken anything uh, of significant step forwards in the last couple of weeks. And you have a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of time to make decisions. And even if he did, I don't know if he'd make a ton of good ones right now. Not because I don't think he's a good player. I think Bryce Perkins could be a decent NFL player. He's just terribly inexperienced. So I think that whatever comfort level he has is with Van Jefferson. And I think that's what the Rams will try to exploit when they're on offense, because I really do think it's their only Ben Skoranek and Higby and the running backs. It's just, it just hasn't happened all season. And hearing that Higby is basically now a glorified offensive lineman, that is music to Seahawks fans' ears because <laughs> if there's one guy not named Cooper Cup that has killed the Seahawks over the years, it has been Tyler Higby. Now, maybe Sean McVay will go into this game and think, you know what, we got to find a way to get him involved in the passing game. Didn't have any catches last week. His history against the Seahawks, that would concern me if they can find a way to do that because tight ends have still been a problem for Seattle's defense. It feels like throughout the entire Pete Carroll era, even mm. their dominant defenses, 2012-2015, you still can find some success throwing the ball to tight ends, and that has been the case really the entire Carroll era. But with their offensive line situation, that's the matchup that I've got to look at, especially on the left side, playing a seventh-round pick. You just benched Bobby Evans because he was got awful in the few starts oh. that he had. And like you said, this is their fifth string left tackle. And Seattle has not been able to consistently rush the passer. The last two games, it has really been a struggle. Now, Tom Brady and Derek Carr were getting the ball out really fast. That was part of it. And that really limits what your pass rush can do. But Achenanuosu has seven sacks this year. He has been fantastic. A lot more quiet the last two weeks, but still has had a very good season. Daryl Taylor is the enigma of this group. He's got so much physical talent, and yet – Away from a few strip sacks, he's been very quiet, lost his starting job this year. Bruce Irvin at 35 almost looks the most spry of the entire group. He's been a really nice addition bringing him back. But this group of edge rushers, they should be able to feast on those tackles. I mean, Havenstein's not bad, but he's been average at best this year. And it just feels like if there's a game Seattle's pass rush on the outside can get going again, get back right, this has to be the game, given the opponent that you're going up against – those four guys, Boy Mafe, the rookie included, should all be able to have success rushing the passer. And if they can do that against an inexperienced quarterback who might try to scramble away, you could get some big sacks, you could get some fumbles forced. That, to me, is where Seattle can dominate this football game if, and it's a big if, they can get that pass rush going. Now, let's talk Rams on defense because normally I'm sure you'd say Aaron Donald against whoever Seattle's going to have try to block it because they've never been able to. But no Aaron Donald has. is going to miss the first game due to injury in his entire career on Sunday. So what does that mean for matchups that you're watching from a Rams defensive perspective? 
Well, real quick, Corbin, before I go to the uh, the, the defensive side of this, let me just tell you this, and, and I, I the, hopefully this will give the Seahawks fans something to feel good about. If they can't get pressure on Bryce Perkins, then they can't get pressure on anybody because the Rams' offensive line has been a sieve all season long. And from the moment that snap hits the quarterback's hands, they're running for their lives. So I would expect you'll get the pressure that you're looking for. Um, to go To go back to what we're talking about, on the defensive side, like you mentioned, Aaron Donald, um, which, by the way, you mentioned it. I, I talked about this on Locked on Rams earlier this week, that Aaron Donald plays the position that he does and plays it the way that he does and has never missed a game before because of injury is simply it's extraordinary. It, it, it is extraordinary. And, and I, I, I hope people that are football fans understand that because that doesn't happen, and that speaks to the, the sort of player and the sort of preparation that he does. Um I think that the key to this is what Jalen Ramsey can do. I, I think that because he he has not been the Jalen Ramsey that you think of. When you think of Jalen Ramsey, you think of one of the best at his position, if not the very best at his position over the last several years. He's certainly been an integral part of what the Rams have done defensively. Um, he's been the guy that has been able to figure out your best player, whether it's somebody like Debo Samuel one week and then you play the Niners a couple weeks later. Okay, George Kittle's the guy that's killing us. You can move him all over the field. He can do a lot of different things. If you need to put him on DK Metcalf this week, then maybe you can do that. If you need to put him on a different player that maybe is having a bigger game, you can do that. Um, he hasn't been that guy this year. And, and so far, the Rams have really struggled to take it away. And he's gotten caught trying to make that happen a couple of times, trying to make the big play. Um, and it's turned into big plays. But unfortunately, it's been for the offense as opposed to the defense. Um, we, we saw it again last week against Kansas City. Um, I think he's going to have to be the guy to make some plays, whether that means you take some chances and, and like I mentioned, give up some big plays going the other way, perhaps. But my eyes will be on number five and on Jalen Ramsey and on whether or not he can neutralize who's ever given the Rams the most trouble. And see, I'm going to look at any receiver not named DK Metcalf because I'm assuming that Jalen Ramsey is going to get most of his snaps against Metcalf. But you still got to deal with Tyler Lockett. You've got to deal with Marquise Goodwin, who's actually had some decent games in his career yeah. against the Rams when he was with the 49ers. And he's been very good as their number three receiver and their trio of tight ends that they have that can all catch the football. It feels like the wealth of weapons that Geno Smith has. And the fact is he has been willing to throw it to all of his players, which Russell Wilson was criticized for a lot, that he wouldn't get the ball to his tight ends frequently. And he just focused on deep balls to one or two guys. Geno Smith has not been that quarterback and that's really helped him. He's been getting the football around and the Rams are in the top eight for receptions allowed to receivers in the NFL this year. They haven't given up the explosives, but that hasn't necessarily been Seattle's game. They've gotten explosive plays, but they haven't been chucking it 50 yards downfield all the time like they did with Russell Wilson. Geno's right. found other ways to get 20-yard receptions in the intermediate part of the game. It feels like against this Rams secondary, Ramsey hasn't been as good as usual, but the rest of their secondary has given up a lot of catches and Seattle's got a lot of talent at the skill positions. Their running backs can catch. So I really feel like those secondary targets in this game, this could be a game where Geno Smith is getting a lot of passes to Tyler Lockett, to Marquise Goodwin. Even I'm going to throw a real wild card out here. Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, who is a bust from the Vikings, but Seattle seems to be enamored by him. He's impressed mm. him since they signed him to the practice squad. Sounds like he's going to be their number four receiver now. That might be a real X factor to watch in this game, especially because the Rams have had issues with secondary receivers this year. So I'm really curious to see how this plays out. We're going to get to our keys to victory coming up next. We're going to look at what the Rams have to do to get their five-game losing streak snapped. 
at home. And the Seahawks, how can they end their own two-game losing streak going to SoFi Stadium, where they actually now have a one-game winning streak at that stadium where they've had very little success? Maybe that carries over into this football game. We'll get to those keys to victory and talk predictions coming up next here on our Locked On Crossover Special. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to our Crossover Thursday special here, Locked on Seahawks, Locked on Rams. I'm host Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks. Joining me for today's show, Travis Rogers of Locked on Rams. The Rams are going to be the hosts in this game at SoFi Stadium, but at this stage of the season, there have been some questions about getting fans into the stands anyway in L.A. i got to wonder for a 3-8 team if they're going to be able to get that many people there, how many Seahawks fans are going to make the trip because Seattle fans – are notorious for traveling as well as any fan base out there. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot of green at SoFi Stadium coming up on Sunday. Let's talk keys to victory, Travis. And I know it's been a long time since the Rams won a football game. <laughs> it's and very true. Look at it from one lens, they are well overdue for a game where everything comes together and they can win. Seattle's reeling a little bit. So maybe that gives them a fighting chance going into this game to win, especially with Sean McVay still on the sidelines. But looking at it from the Rams' perspective – how do they win this game? How do they upset the Seahawks at home? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting the way that you phrased it because like, typically when you have a team that has the, for lack of a better phrase, the, the brand awareness of a Los Angeles Rams the way that they have for the last five years under Sean McVay, um, there is a sense of, okay, they're going to figure this out. They're, they have too many good players. They have too much success. They have too much pride. They have all of these things that eventually they're going to start to win a game here or there. Um, and, and I would subscribe to that under most circumstances. But I think this is a circumstance that isn't a matter of, well, it's going to turn. They don't have enough good players on the field. They simply don't. And and it's not a matter of, well, we just got to get this guy going. The the this guy isn't on the field. Cooper Cup's not there. Allen Robinson's not there. Daryl Henderson's not there. Matthew Stafford's not there. The entire offensive line is not there. So when you start to look for ways to win these games, the first and foremost thing that they're going to have to do is it's going to have to be a low-scoring game. It's going to have to be a game where you don't turn it over, but you force your opponent to turn it over. They did that against Kansas City. It's going to have to be one of those games where maybe you you know, get a, a performance from somebody that you're not quite expecting. Maybe you could make the argument that Bryce Perkins could be that guy. I think if the Rams are going to win, they're going to have to kick a lot of field goals. Um, they have, the, the, again, I mentioned on, on defense that Bobby Wagner's been one of the few bright spots on that side of the ball. Matt Gay for the Rams has had a tremendous season, again, kicking the ball. He's got a, he's got a big leg. He's good to about – you know, 56, 57 yards, you feel like the, the odds are very good that you're going to make some kicks. They're, the Rams are not going to put together a bunch of 70, 75, 80-yard drives. They're just not capable of doing that at this point in the season. But if you can get a couple of turnovers and kick a couple of long field goals and maybe get a defensive score and maybe get one offensive touchdown along the way and just somehow, some way, scrape together, you know, 16, 17, 20 points, I think that maybe they can find a way to do that because maybe the defense can, can hold uh, Seattle – 
to something like that. But if this thing gets into the 20s, I just have a really hard time finding a way for the Rams to get more than 17 points or so. From a Seahawks perspective, you know, I hate to be this simplified, but when you are playing a team that is an underdog, and it's a lot different than last week. If the Rams were healthy, I wouldn't be saying this. The Raiders still had three all-pro caliber players on the field on Sunday in Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and Max Crosby. All three of those guys, you can make arguments for first-team all-pro. Mm-hmm. You don't see teams with three and seven records that have that kind of star power, and that's without Darren Waller being healthy. I mean, the Raiders clearly have talent, and most of their guys are still on the field. The Rams have talent, but almost none of those guys are on the field at this point. So from Seattle's perspective, just don't beat yourself. And that means get the job done on third down against an offense that has no business moving the football against you with the injuries they have and being on a third string quarterback. Get those third down stops, quick three and outs, four or five play drives and get the ball to Geno Smith and company. And the offense has been much more consistent than the defense this year. You don't have Aaron Donald hunting down Geno Smith. You don't have him there to stop the run. You have to be able to run the football some this week, especially without Ashawn Robinson being in there either. This should be a game that that running game that's been so bad the last two weeks is able to get going. You can play action off that. Geno can get the throwing game going, more balanced than what they've had. I think if they squash the bug early in this football game by getting the job done in defense and going down and scoring a few touchdowns, even playing on the road, I think that this Rams team will fold just because of who is on the field out there. You've got a lot of young guys that aren't experienced. It's going to be very difficult for them to keep fighting if they find themselves down 14 or 17 nothing early in this game. So a fast start. Make it clear to the Rams you are not going to win this game. If you let them hang around, especially with the coaching that they have, and they start to gain some confidence with their young guys, that is a dangerous thing in the NFL. But if you can go out early, set the tone, get up several scores early, and punch the Rams in the mouth a few times, then I like the Seahawks' chances to win this one going away. It still concerns me a little bit just with the history of Sean McVay. He always seems to have a good game plan, but I wonder if the lack of talent is just too much for him to overcome. Seattle should be able to get that early cushion and then build off it and really squash that bug. If they can't, that, that really puts what's been a surprisingly good season it really puts some damper on it with expectations now that have been heightened a lot more. Yeah, it's interesting that you're, you're talking about getting that big lead. I think that could be a big deal. The, the one positive thing I will say about the, the the offense in particular for the Rams and really the team across the board, and I'll give Sean McVay a lot of credit for this, and, and I'm still a, a huge Sean McVay believer. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of what he's been able to do to this organization. This has been a terrible terrible season by any measure they have not stopped competing they have played hard every single week and and they've been drastically undermanned like we've talked about you know here for the last you know half hour or so um the injuries have been you know not just significant but significant and widespread and 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 everything else you have they have not stopped competing they they competed down to the very last part of the game against Kansas City they were never going to win that game but they go out there and they fight every single series every single down and I think that's a great credit to McVay and his staff and to his players and Bobby Wagner I will say this having covered Bobby Wagner for a long time Bobby Wagner is that kind of a guy he battles every single play and it rubs off on his teammates. And so, you know, I at least think on that side of the ball, I think it's much harder for the Rams on offense just because of how much talent is missed. And they don't have that Bobby Wagner on that side of the ball right now. If they had one of their top receivers or one of their top linemen still available, 
you might be able to pull things together. It's just really tough when you have a third-string quarterback playing behind a bunch of backup linemen, and it feels like it's a preseason game, and then you look on the other side, and it's NFL-caliber starters across the board that you're playing against. And so talking predictions, I'm going to keep my score prediction for our Friday show, but I, but I will just say this. And this is not being cocky or arrogant. If the Seahawks can't win this game by 10 points or more, then it's a disappointment because you're playing a team that is missing so many good players. And I have a ton of respect for the Rams sure. when they are healthy. Even if they had half of their stars available, this would be a game that I would be much more concerned about. But, you know, you can't take a team lightly at the same time. Seattle is a much healthier team. They clearly have the much better quarterback. They have the better running game. Their whole offensive line is still available. They're going to have their whole pass rush. Like, there's no excuse. you got to go out and take care of business. And if you don't, that really says a lot about the state of this team that just kind of found themselves in a funk. Maybe a lot of their rookies are hitting a rookie wall, but they've got to find a way to get it done. And I'm confident they will. I'm not going to express where my confidence is at score-wise till tomorrow, but I do feel like this is a game that the Seahawks absolutely should be able to win running away. And if they don't, that would be a disappointment, at least in my opinion. Yeah, if 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 the Seahawks can get to twenty or more, it's a wrap. I I, I don't think that the Rams can can get beyond that. If the Rams are going to find a way to win, it's in the teens. It might even be lower than that. And unless they get a defensive score, I just they they can't keep up. Even even a mediocre performance from the Seahawks is better than what the Rams are going to put out there. And with you saying that, maybe we'll see the emergence of Bryce Perkins and a few other guys that maybe this game Fingers will have. Crossed. The NFL is crazy. We never know what's going to happen week to week. But these matchups between these teams are always exciting. And as a fan, I wish that we could see the Rams at full strength for this game just because I respect the hell out of that team and, and the talent they have. And unfortunately, sometimes that's just not the way it works. But you know Sean McVay's team is going to be fighting. And Pete Carroll's team – They've been fighting. They've just been fighting themselves to an extent the last two weeks. Can they stop doing that? If the self-inflicted wounds disappear or they limit them, then they got to like their chances a lot better being able to win. That's really hurt them the last two games. We'll see what happens. Should be a fun NFC West matchup nonetheless. A special thanks to all the 12s and Rams Nation out there for listening to our Locked On crossover special. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game coming up on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks. Go Rams.